So the conversation went about like this. God, I've, I'm prepared in this sermon series. Um, gonna finish out Peter the next two Sundays as we look at his life. God, so I'm confident and I'm comfortable and I'm ready to go. Um, so that you guys know, I'm typically about two series ahead. So I, I prepare out my year at the first of the year and I get that kind of out and I tell the staff, you know, this is where we're gonna start the year and this is how we're gonna end it. Um, and then each month, I kind of get more detail and then per Sunday, I give even more detail. And so I, I'm, I'm already working in October as far as sermon series go. Um, and as I was working, I'm, I'm going back and I'm reviewing the sermon for Peter and, and I'm pre preparing for this Sunday and God goes, you shouldn't preach that. I've got something for you to say. And I went, God, that's not comfortable. I, I, I want to be comfortable. And he's like, hmm, let's review. Um, and so... Then I, I spent some time with a, a buddy this, this week, um, uh, one of uh, a new friendship I've kind of started up with, Chris Condit. He is the campus pastor at Hillside across the street. Uh, he and I played some golf this week, and as we're going around, we're just talking about our hearts and ministry, the things we see that we need to work on, refinement things. He showed me how to hit out of a sand trap better. Um, it was a good day, and as I'm kind of finishing that up and I'm finishing that time, I'm, I'm inspired. I'm like, man, I, I feel like God's on the move. And, and for those of y'all that don't know Hillside's history, I wanted to give you a little bit of Hillside history, and you're like, we're at Quell Creek. That's okay. Um, Paramount Terrace, some of y'all are familiar with that church. You might have gone there. Um, when they moved, they moved out to Hillside, and all of the things that happened in their move to become Hillside, as God was growing their church, as they were going through difficult decision makings, as they were going through kind of moving the church forward, I'm sharing with Chris what God's doing at Quell Creek, sharing with him kind of our movements, how we've made decisions, where I feel God's taking us, and he's just nodding his head. And I'm going, well, he's just like, oh, that's cute, you know? And, and finally, he stops the golf cart. I mean, we're driving just, and he says, everything that you're saying, I believe from my seat, God's about to do something at Quell Creek that our city hasn't seen. And I, it kind of took me back for a second. I, I went, now wait a second. Here's an outsider looking at our church and, and saying, I believe that God's about to do something at your church. And and so I was like, okay, yeah, I'm excited. I, I'm still, yeah, I'm pumped. And then I went and visited with another friend who challenged me and said, you need to share what's on your heart. Like you need to pick a Sunday and just say, this is what I believe God is going to do at Quell Creek. And just say it. And I went, okay, yeah, because God's been telling me that too, but y'all are both wrong. Um, because there's a danger, and I want y'all to hear it from me today. For us to move to where I believe God wants us to, we've got to quit relying upon us. Amen. That's not how God grows churches. He doesn't grow churches on the backs of us. He grows churches. Now, we can become something completely wrong and abnormal. 
When I was growing up, the, the Cabbage Patch fever hit, and everybody had a Cabbage Patch kid. Moment of admission, I had a Cabbage Patch kid. Y'all did too, don't even judge. But at the same time, something else occurred. Garbage Pail Kids. Y'all remember this? Garbage Pail Kids were the anti-Cabbage Patch. They were like Stinky Mouse Sam and uh, Snot-Nosed Susie. And they were disgusting looking. And I had friends that were anti-Cabbage Patch for the sake of being Garbage Pail Kid fans. They had whole books they would bring to school with the sticker stuck in it going, have you seen Snotty Nose Sally? All the while, I'm at home hanging out with Zach, the curly-haired blonde kid from the Hamptons. I don't know where he's from. Xavier signed his hiney, by the way. I don't know if any of y'all had that kind of cabbage patch. Um, but I, I, I had a different life. And I just want to tell you today, as a minister, and I, I know I can share this on behalf of uh, our pastors on staff, we can gimmick our way to growth. We can absolutely throw out everything that's out there and hope something sticks and grow for a season, but we also know that after that season's done, we'll decline. Because I believe that churches are grown easily on gimmicks. They grow difficultly when they trust in God to do the difficult things. Because God refines and grows. He doesn't throw stuff at the wall and hope it works. He challenges. He deepens. He yearns for us to do something big for him. The sad part about it is last week we talked about Peter and how he had to step out of the boat in faith. And as we saw that, then the next week we talked about that he had some doubts about the woman who could just touch the hem of God's garment and be healed. Today, I think God's calling on us to ask the question, what will we do with Jesus at Quell Creek? Will we trust him or will we just run alongside him? Because I believe God wants to do something great at Quell Creek. And I believe the best days are ahead of us if. And that's what I want this time to be about with you this morning. The if is there. The if has always been there. You see, the if is there for every church in every town on every block. The if is going to be there for churches long after Quail Creek and that came long before Quail Creek. The if is always there because we're involved with it. The if is if we will trust in God. There's decisions I think we need to make as a church. And I want to give those to you today. And I believe they're difficult. And I believe they're going to stretch us. And I want to talk really honest with you today. And so, man, I know there's people that are watching online. How are you? Welcome to this conversation. I'm going to talk to the family today. And if you're church family and you're watching online or maybe watching on TV this next week, welcome to a family meeting. Welcome to the unexpected pastor tells all kind of Sunday. Welcome to a vision Sunday. Some time ago, I, uh, I started opening my eyes up to why do churches grow. Like, I, as much as I want y'all to know that I'm investing in you personally, that I believe discipleship is the bedrock of everything, and that's where we've been focusing on. Like, we have been intentionally trying to invest in you, and, 
If you haven't experienced that, it's because you haven't come and been a part of something. God is doing amazing things for our women's ministry, men's ministry, children's ministry, preschool ministry, youth ministry. God just continues to show up. And because of that, you have to. You have to show up. I was reading in James chapter 5, uh, starting at verse 7. Why don't you join me in your Bibles? James chapter 5. As I was looking through Scripture, I was asking God, Lord, you want me to preach a sermon, but I don't know where you want me to go. And as visual as I could, I, I went back to where I grew up. You see, I grew up in West Texas my whole life. And I like to call it the dirty West Texas because Amarillo tends to be clean. I grew up in the oil field all my life. I, I've always woken up to the smell of, you know, petroleum in the air. And if you haven't ever had that smell, it's a smell... Well, frankly, let's just be honest. Every once in a while, Hereford blows in. And that's a nice smell compared to being in the oil field. Those of y'all that have been around oil field smell early in the morning, it's kind of sickening smelling. I grew up in a place where we couldn't drink the water, or we shouldn't have. There was a sign outside of town that told us not to because it was probably contaminated with oil. Um, I, I went back there because I started looking around and wondering... God, what's the mental image of this Sunday that you want our church to have? And I can remember walking through the fields of the farmers around me. Most of my friends were either oil field worker friends or farming kids. And I can remember walking through fields and seeing when they would turn the fields over and let the grow ground just go to mellow, just sit to rest. I can remember being there as you could watch them go through with planters and planting seed. Cotton, corn, a few potatoes. I remember sorghum being planted. And I, I remember seeing what it looked like as those young plants would sprout. And I remember praying against uh, storms coming through unless they produced rain. But those of y'all that have been around farming communities, rain in the summer always means one thing. It means hail. And hail is bad on crops. And there's a time, and I said it last week, that farmers pray against rain. They need it to dry. And I can remember praying that too. But I, can, I can remember seeing, walking through fields. I, I've been in so many fields that, uh, I don't know if any of y'all walked in a, a freshly sprayed field. You can wear boots out there, but you're not leaving with them. I mean, you just, you go down deep in that mud. The ground is tender. And I could see that in my mind's eye, and God led me to a passage in James chapter 5 and verse 7. It says this, Therefore, brothers, be patient until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, and is patient with it until it receives early and late rains. You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts, because the Lord is coming near. I, I can see the fields. And I could see the work that it took to raise crops. You planted at a certain time so that at a certain time you could harvest. I remember seeing the endless nights and days the farmers in my community would go out to their land and, and would till the soil, prepare it, plant it, and then harvest it. It's a labor of love. I, I remember a joke a farmer told me one, one day. We were sitting at a deacon's meeting, 
and we were waiting on about three guys to show up, and one of the older men in our, our deacon body said, let's tell some jokes, um, which is always a bad idea. So one after another fired away some jokes, and finally one of them said, guys, this farmer goes on who wants to be a millionaire. He swings through every round with ease. He finally gets to the million-dollar question, and he just nails it. No lifelines used, straight through. At the time, Regis Philman was the guy, and he says, Regis turns to him, and he says, Young man, what are you going to do with all this money? And he turned to Regis as a farmer and said, I'm going to farm until it runs out. Now, to non-farmers, that makes no sense, but to the farming guys in the thing, they died laughing. And I started thinking, why is that funny? But see, to a farmer, it's not about the money. It's about the life. It's about the lifestyle they get to have. It's about waking up early in the morning. I don't know if you've ever seen a farmer pick up dirt and smell it. They do that kind of stuff. They stand on the edge of their fields and they they kind of look out at their crops. And it's almost as though they're talking to it with their eyes. They can just see it. It's almost like they can feel the field telling them, I need this. I'll never forget one of my farmers came to another deacon's meeting and his phone kept buzzing. And he kept putting his phone back up and it buzzed. And I finally looked at him and I said, hey, you can answer that. He goes, no, no, no. It's one of my pivot sprinklers. It's stuck. And I went, it can text you? He goes, he goes, yeah. And I went, huh, that's awesome. You see, farmers live it every day. You know, in Habakkuk, in Habakkuk's life, God is breathing into him for his people. And he just tells them, listen, I'm about to give you something from my heart. Here's what I want you to do. I want you, in Habakkuk 2, 2, if you ever want to look this up, I want you to write it down. I want you to make it simple so that anyone that comes behind you can run with it. They can see it and they can run towards it. So here was my question this week from my second friend. If money wasn't an option, what would you do at the church? Whew. That's a loaded question, isn't it? What would you do if money wasn't an option here at Quell Creek? Because there's a lot. But I want to give you three things that I believe that God's going to move us towards in this next year. I'm not asking him to do it five years from now. This next year, I want us to move in drastic ways. I want us to dive headlong. And frankly, if God doesn't show up, it may cost us everything. You may be going, I am never coming back. Just grab your neighbor and say, it's okay. Go ahead. It's, it's okay. Just give him a pat. It's going to be okay. Yeah, you can say something in church. Amen is good. Anyways, um... We have known for some time that we're going to have to address our children's wing at our church. 
it's, it's not a secured area like we want it to be. We do really well with what we've got. I praise God for Angela and Sarah and their hard work and all you volunteers that help them. Y'all make a difference. We could use a whole lot more of you. Um, in fact, I want to give you a challenge today. If in the time you've been here, if you have come to Quell Creek longer than four months and have not spent one Sunday in our preschool wing, at the end of service, I want you to find Angela, apologize, and tell her you're going to help. You're like staring at me like, you're crazy. No, I'm serious. There are some Sundays that we have more kids than we can handle down there. And you can make a difference. I'm not asking you to be there every Sunday. I'm asking you to give one Sunday out of every four months. That you, maybe your spouse, maybe your kids, would give that Sunday to go help in our preschool. To show these kids Jesus. We adopted the orange strategy some time ago. And the orange strategy is this. The heart of the home, the red of the home, and the light of the world, Jesus, the yellow. When they combined the home and Jesus... It makes orange. And we as a church believe that our job with kids, with students, with, with our, our preschool area, our QC tots, we believe our job is to connect the heart of the home and the light of the world together. We believe that's our strategy, and we believe it's a good one. And you need to be a part of it. We need you to give your time. So don't sit there and say, well, I just can't stand kids. Well, they can't stand you either. So go hang out together and be miserable for a Sunday. I can promise you this. You won't regret it. You just won't regret it. In fact, I will promise you this. If you've served there and you knew the need that was there, you'd be in tears like we are about it. Because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. We need you. We just need you. So with that in mind, we've got to do something about our children's space. So a couple of weeks ago, I contacted our state convention and just said, listen, what help can you give us? And in the next month or so, we're going to meet with a guy from the state office that will come in and help us walk through what it would look like to build a children's space onto Quell Creek. We believe it should be a secured space, a big space, a space our kids can run in, a space that as a parent you could drop off and pick up from, a space that's worthy. I also believe that we need to build a space that we can play inside. We have long needed a space where we could all as a church be in one room, and this is the only room we can be in one room together. That's just not going to happen anymore. We need a gym. We need a place where we can shoot a basketball and where we can also have a large event, perhaps an Opry, where we could all sit in the same place. I also believe that we are uniquely sad and poor when it comes to transportation at Quell Creek. If you've never worked around our student ministry, you don't notice the need. If you've never worked around our children's ministry, you've never noticed the need. But we have it. We need big vehicles to cart kids around town. And we don't buy them right now for a couple of reasons. One, we don't want to make the investment right now because if you set it out on our lots, let me give you a reality. Do not park on the lot at Quell Creek at night. It's a good neighborhood. 
but your gas will be gone in the morning. It's happened more times than we care to admit here at the church. We've put locks on the gas caps of our vehicles and have the gas lines cut. It's, it just happens. So why would we invest in vehicles if we can't park them securely, if we can't get them out of the elements? So we need a building that houses that kind of stuff so that we can start doing ministry the way we need to. I believe that God's going to do that, and we're going to start the conversation. Here's the reality behind that, y'all. That costs. It just costs. And the real reality about that is this. If you got a connection, God, you can look and see our expenses versus income. You're starting to go, oh, you can? Whoa, that's amazing. Um, yeah. We need to give. In fact, at the end of the sermon today, we're going to pass the offering plate like we always do. So I want to give you a challenge today. From now until the start of September, I want you to go home and pray about giving more. I want you to test this. I just want you to go home and say, what if we gave $5 more? You may go, well, that's, there goes Starbucks tomorrow. I'm just going to give you the challenge. What if we gave more? Because we want God to do more at our church. What if we gave more because we wanted to see more things being done in our church? I want to give you a for instance. 2014, we started giving different to Annie Armstrong. Annie Armstrong is the offering we take it at Easter time. It goes to missions all across North America. It goes to helping missionaries start churches in places like Seattle and in Utah and all over the nation. Because if you're giving, literally thousands of people come to know Christ every year because we give to Annie Armstrong. In 2014, we got the top giving for our association of churches in Amarillo. And that was awesome. We celebrated that. Some of y'all remember that. It's the first time we had done that in a while. Then 2015 came. And, and we kind of went, well... That was awesome. We, we gave big to missions. It was kind of a change. In 14, we started giving more than ever to missions. We made it a focus. And in 2015, we got the same thing again. Top giving church in our association. Last year, we gave less. It happens. Our economy is strange right now call it whatever it is. Everybody's kind of in this weird place. We, uh, we gave less. And for those of us on staff, for those on our missions committee, we mourned that. We, we sat back and went, we can do better. And uh, this morning I got in, and in 2016, we we're the top giving church in our association. It's not good enough. These are paper. I mean, they're celebratory only for the fact that God's doing stuff, but they're paper. Because I, I believe this. We can do more. 
We should strive to not equal out what other people are doing in Christian life. We should strive to do as deeply and richly as we can because there's a kingdom that is yet to be fulfilled in heaven because there's people here that still need to receive Jesus. We should be doing more. We should be relentless in this. We should be so uniquely devoted that it's, we're never satisfied. We're never filled. We're never thirst quenched enough. We want more. And I just believe in my office when God was speaking into me and saying, Kyle, share it. I just kind of said to God, I want more, God. I I just want more. I want to go deep, God. I want to go headlong. I want to go dangerous. I want to live a a life as a minister and in a body that goes, that's not enough. That's just not enough. We want more of God. We want more of the Holy Spirit to move. We want to be a part of something great. And that's what we want, God. God. We're not content. We're not okay. We're not just happy. We want to be joy-filled. God, we want more. That's got to be our prayer. And so it's not enough just to give to missions. In fact, it's not even enough to have our missions partners. We need a desperation moment as the church that says to our world, we want you to know Jesus. Now is the week. I had somebody come to me and and say, you know, Pastor Kyle, do you think Jesus is coming back soon? And I said, man, I hope so. In the same token, that is not a a card for us to just hang on our wall and say, well, until he comes, I'm in retirement. It's time to light our matches. It is time for us to go to a lost, dark world with a lot of the gospel with desperation. It is time for us to finally have sweat to wipe off our brow when it comes to the things of God. And I believe it's time for our church to go deeper. I believe it's time for us to grow. So reality of that is this. We gotta think like a farmer. I wanna give you the three things that farmers think through. They prepare, they plant, and they produce. They prepare, they plant, and they produce. And this is their seasons. No matter the crop, no matter what's going, they prepare, they plant, and they produce. I want you to think of your spiritual walk for a second. In your spiritual walk, have you prepared a life that pursues Jesus? Have you given him your life? I'm not asking if you invited him into your heart. I'm asking, have you given him your life? Is he both Savior and Lord of your life? If so, what are you planting today? Scripture tells us absolute firmness, that where your investment is, your heart is there as well. So what are you planting today? Where are you giving yourself to today? You know, when I said, if you haven't been in the preschool in four months and you're a member at Quail Creek, you should go and apologize to Angela and you should go volunteer. Here's the reason I said that. Because that's plant worthy. Because those preschoolers will become children. Those children will become students and those students will become adults. And then they'll be here if you invest in them. 
sad truth is right now we hear that society and, and, and uh, Barner Research Group tells us that about 70% of all students that graduate out of a church never come back to it again. That means that only 30% of our students attend church, and that doesn't even say their spiritual walk. That means that 70% of our students will leave and graduate out of our student ministries and never darken the doors of a church again. We need to be planting feverishly. We need to dive into it. Let me just tell you, we have needs in our church, in preschool, children, and students. Sign up. Be a part. Because the need is there and you have a breath. I wonder what we look like God's side of heaven when he sees us not serving. When he sees us not investing. When he sees us not dreaming. And when he sees us not stretching for him. My buddy bought a uh, a stretch Armstrong when we were kids. Some of you are like, stretch what? Um, stretch Armstrong. He was uh, a wannabe wrestler superhero guy that came in just trunks and like, like skin. And he came in a box like this. And when you pulled him out, one friend could grab this arm. And one friend could grab this arm and then you could stretch him across the room. Then when you let him go, you kind of go, like that. The funny thing about Stretch Armstrong is this. If you didn't stretch him and you left him alone, he got stiff. He got rigid. And he became unuseful. It's time to stretch, y'all. Because if not, we will become stiff. And we will become useful. We have to stretch. The immediate needs, I think, of our church are, are big. Um, as we plan for a future building, we have to deal with something that's a lingering problem. And that's our parking lot. And you may be going, oh, that's such a small thing. It's a big thing because it's fallen apart on us. Um, we, we have vegetation growing up. Uh, the other day, a, a man walked out of the cornfield in the front parking lot and said, can I build a baseball field here? I'd like to meet my dad. Um, <laughs> he said, is this Iowa? And I went, hmm, no. Um, we we got to address it. And so here's what I'd like for us to do. Um, I'm going to meet with finance today. I've talked some with our our uh, trustees, and I'm asking our church to fix our parking lot. Um, it's going to cost us something. We're not going to replace it right now because if we have a future building plan, there is no reason to try and replace the parking lot. It'll just damage it again, and we'll be replacing a parking lot. But in the same token, I think that we need to address the need because it's getting worse. You see, a pastor's mind lives in every possible area. Let me give you a for instance. Above y'all right now are light bars. You're like, 
That's a ceiling. No, in these holes up here are some light bars that point towards our stage. Half of them don't work. That's why sometimes the stage is really, really dark. That's why sometimes while I'm preaching, it just kind of does the strobe light effect, which just makes me want to like burst into night fever dancing. Uh, so you need to fix that. Um, we, we need to replace flooring in our church. It's getting bad. I, we need to deal something with our issue of the fact that, frankly, once we pull up these pews and move them around, it's going to get kind of tricky to put them back. What are we going to do? We just have some things we need to get done, but we, we've got to prepare and plant so that we can start to produce. So that's where we all need to play a part. I'm not asking you to do anything I won't do. We need to give. And we need to give in such a way that's sacrificial because we want to see God start to do stuff. You know, maybe timidity, maybe fear, but I know that God's wanted to do this for a while. And I just didn't know if y'all would hear me. But I feel like today God's just said, remind yourself who runs the church. Remind yourself who owns the church. And it's not me. And it's not you. This is the Lord's church. Because of that, we need to get to work. The last is this. We, we need to fill some gaps on our staff. Obviously, we're looking at a student minister to come in, and that time will come, and we're, we're on the search. But we have some other needs we need to fill. I believe we need somebody that has that administrative mindset on our staff, and I'm praying for that. I'm asking God for that. I believe God's got the person for that. We just got to give so that we can have that. The other is this. While I appreciate their sacrificial time and effort. I believe that we need to really look at our ladies and say, are you ready to do this full time with our children? Our children are valuable. They're just valuable. I've got a couple of those. I really like them. Your kids, not so much. Mine, I really like. <laughs> just kidding, not. Jack, I like you. but we need to invest in them. And to do that, we've got to expand. We've got to give more. Because when you try and produce something you haven't prepared for or planted in, you're being an unwise steward. And while I think we need to stretch, we also need to steward ourselves well. So let's make it simple. Today is the day that we all start praying differently. Pray with me as we do big things. Pray for a future building. Pray for future staff. Pray for the soon-to-be parking lot fix. Pray for fixes in our building. Give. Give like never before. Give sacrificially. Give in a way that would make you have to walk out of here wondering if you could spend as much at Walmart next time. Give in such a way that we start to see a change of tide at our church so that our dreams don't have to be dreams anymore. And then get ready. 
get ready to start sharing with people all around town that God's on the move at Quill Creek. Invite your neighbors. Invite your coworkers. Invite your friends. Invite those people you don't even know. Because God's on the move at Quill Creek. And frankly, without you, he's going to replace you, I believe, because God's on the move. He's going to replace me if I get in this way. But God wants to use you here. God needs you here. God's ready to do something with you in this church that has never been done before. Scary as it may seem, we're about to jump into an ocean, and Jesus is the only buoy around. So it's either we hold on to him and let him take us, or we drown. Frankly, I'm not ready to drown, are you? So let's hold on to Jesus and let's make a change. I believe that God's on the move. Let's quit relying on papers to tell us we've done something. Let's really do it today. Let me pray for you. Father, preaching vision, God, is, is difficult. Lord, it feels like a target. It, it feels like, um, God, frankly, it feels like just dream casting. But God, I believe that you have great things in store for our church. God, I believe you want to raise up a generation in our church that's on fire for you, that's in love with you that's challenged and led by you, God. God, I pray, Lord, that, Lord, you just start to see the gaps being filled. God, that we would start to see that people are going above and beyond, God, to to make that vision happen, to be involved, God. God, that we'd be sacrificial in everything that has to do with you, God, with our time, with our effort, Lord, with our our giving, God, with every piece of it, God, so that you can be made known, God, so that lives can be changed, God, so that we can see things happening, God. But Lord, in the midst of that, remind us of Peter. Let us not lose sight of what you're doing in the midst of movement. God, we want to see people's lives changed. God, we want to see you move in amazing, powerful ways. God, you're sending out today missionaries, Lord, to Amarillo and beyond, God. You're sending us out, God, to tell about Jesus and the greatness of who he is with the excitement of knowing that you're on the move in our lives. And God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would would just fall on this place like a blanket now, God. You'd speak to our hearts, God, that you'd invite us into what you're doing, God, that the excitement of where you're moving, God, would be lost in the excitement of getting close and intimate with you. Father, we want to be more than just a piece of paper. We want to be on mission. We want a vision. We want a cause. And Father, as a church, We want to grow close to you. So, Father, let it start now. Lord, let the building begin not by bricks and not by mortar and not by carpet. Lord, not by staff, but by your presence in us right now. God, we believe that the church grows when you move. And so, Father, move now. Move now, God, and move us, Lord, to respond to you, to grow deep 
with you. So, Lord, be changed by you. God, we want to be a part of the movement of the Holy Spirit in this moment. And God, let us be consumed by him. Lord, we pray this in the name that is above every name. The name of Jesus. We pray it. Amen. Would you stand with me? This morning, I want to invite you to come. I want you to dive deep with me this morning. I want you to come kneel at an altar and just lay your life down and say, God, I want to be a part of being built up by you. God, move in me this morning. God, change me. I pray that you would come. I pray if you don't know this Jesus, you'd come talk to myself or to Dale. You'd come say, how do I get to know Jesus as Lord and Savior? I want to know him. And that today you would make him the Lord and Savior of your life. Are you ready? You come right now. Come and pray. Come and kneel. Let's sacrifice today. Let's go deep as we sing. Lost saved. Find their way. At the sound of your great name. All
Savior, Defender, You are my In the same. 